Welcome to Lux's Litter Box. This is a podcast where me and my friend Cole each week talk about Davidson sports, A10 basketball, and mainly it's just a platform for Cole to rant about disc golf. For the next 14 weeks, we will be talking college hoops with a fan representative from each school in the A10. You can check our Twitter at LLB underscore podcast for the graphic that shows which week we'll be breaking down your favorite A10 team. Let's get into the episode. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to Lux's Litter Box. Thank you again for joining us this week. We're making a stop in Virginia. We're stopping at VCU. Yes, I'm so excited to announce our guest this week. Today's guest for VCU is Jason Bowman. And the people have been wondering, quite literally, the people have been wondering. We've received tweets, who is Jason Bowman? Instead of answering for him, I'll let Jason answer for himself. Who are you, Jason Bowman? <laughs> well, first off, thank you for having me. It's the first time I've guested on a podcast since I graduated college. So we're back in it again. It's fun to be back. Uh, but I... For the purposes of the podcast, the main thing I do is contribute for A10 Talk for VCU. Uh, it continues a, I don't want to say lengthy, but a good-sized career in uh, covering VCU hoops. I've been covering VCU basketball since 2016. I started out with the student radio station here at WVCW, still very passionate about student-run independent radio. And then after I graduated, I kind of wanted to stay involved, kind of keep it as a side gig while I pursued a professional opportunity. So I hopped on with A10 Talk. I've been covering it ever since for A10 Talks. So that's about five seasons cumulative covering VCU basketball. And it's a lot of fun. I think I put out some really funny and good tweets about VCU basketball during the season. Uh, was tweeting a lot during the draft. I'm sure we'll talk about the draft later, but I was tweeting a lot about our greatest hero, Bones Highland, getting drafted. Very excited about that. So let's get into some VCU basketball. Very excited to hear your take. This is the day after the NBA draft. The hero of VCU, Bones Highland, went 26th overall first round to the Nuggets. Overall, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about how Bones kind of stepped up last year in his play? Well, first off, uh, I think it's a very good fit for Bones. We're all very proud of him here at VCU. I'm talking about him like he's my son. (laughs) But we're all very proud of him here at VCU. Uh, Again, VCU players getting drafted is pretty rare. This is only the third first rounder in the history of the program we had Larry Sanders and I think it was Eric Maynard about 10-ish years ago both in back-to-back years actually so it's been pretty rare to have a player drafted especially that highly Uh, so I'm very happy that he ends up with a team where I think he can contribute immediately he's going to have very good players obviously the current NBA MVP Nikola Jokic Jamal Murray once he comes back from injury I really look forward to seeing him. He's not going to start. We're not going to get too carried away. He's definitely going to come off the bench, be a solid scoring option off the bench. He still has to improve defensively, I think, especially the match NBA caliber shooters. But very excited about where he placed. Hit about what people were saying, 26, about mid-20s. So very happy about that. As for how he elevated his play last year, I think we saw shades of that two years ago when Marcus Evans kind of started showing some age-related and injury-related wear and tear. He wasn't really playing to the level he was playing at Rice and in his early career at VCU. So Rhodes actually started experimenting with the lineup. Highland was getting a lot more starts. Evans occasionally came off the bench. And my greatest regret, COVID took this away. There was a two-guard starting lineup with Evans and Highland going to play against UMass in Brooklyn for the A-10 tournament. I was there covering it for student radio. And we didn't get to see that starting lineup because the game got canceled. And I really wish we could have seen that. But 
I think I didn't expect Highland to play as good as he did. I don't think anybody did except for people related to him and his friends and maybe Mike Rhodes because he was just incredible. I have never seen he would shoot the most impossible threes and they would always make it. It was incredible. I've never seen anything like it. And to be all conference player, it was amazing the level he elevated his play to. I expect him to elevate his play. So he did a good job of that. But just how good of a scorer he became, I really didn't see that coming. And to just raise his stock like that, it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, he's such an incredible person to watch last year. I remember um, go, I went to my only, only I only had one opportunity to go to a Davidson game and it was the VCU game. And we really needed to win that game. And it was probably really good that Bones Island wasn't active for that game. But despite that, I was pretty upset that he wasn't going to play just because I knew I was missing out on an opportunity to see not only like an NBA prospect and play, future NBA player, but like just an all around amazing talent and athlete and just an electric player. I mean, probably one of the most electric players that the A-10 has seen in years. Did you guys know that I actually, I played uh, against a NBA draft pick this year? Not like this year, but I played against an NBA draft pick, the guy who was drafted in the NBA draft before. Like played against him in your high school team? Uh, middle school, actually, but yeah, uh, <laughs> even better. Which one? Um, Keon Johnson. Oh, wow. University of oh, Tennessee. Wow. Yeah, I played against him. Yeah, so he went to the school uh, web. We played against Keon before he hit his growth spurt and beat his team by 40. And then we played after he hit his growth spurt and then they beat us by 40. So, but yeah, no, he was he was pretty good. Oh, it's crazy that, to think but... that there's, there's probably a ton of high school players who played that team with what? Scotty Barnes, Cade Cunningham, Daron Sharp. And there's a fourth one too, I think, right? But Oh, out in uh, was it California somewhere, I think. Yeah, that, that high school. Because, but there were like four lottery picks or four first round picks all on the yeah. same high school team. Just imagine, I thought about this. This is a funny thought. Uh, imagine being just like oh, a I regular know. high school kid and just playing, like you're in like algebra two and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I got to guard Scotty Barnes tonight. How do you focus? How do you focus in class? I was never a good athlete, but like, how would you even focus in class knowing, oh my goodness, this guy could be a lottery pick one day and I have to go guard him like after eight block. All right, so let's move on to the actual the subject of today, which is VCU basketball um, as a team, not just one player, but let's move on to um, how they did last year. So last year in the 2020-2021 season, we like to just make this very open-ended. Jason, what were your thoughts on last season? How, how did it make you feel? It was incredible. It was amazing how well they did because I don't remember exactly where they slotted in the preseason poll. It was seventh ish i'm blanking it's been i think it was ninth ninth that sounds right yeah it was low it was very low and i remember i was actually going through some of my a10 talk stories going through my archives partly to do some research but just going through to figure out how i actually felt about last year in the moment because it's kind of gotten fuzzy over time and i was reading my very first season preview and i was I don't remember verbatim, but one of the paragraphs said something like, now VCU fans, I know you're accustomed to success. Last year was a little rough. You know, we kind of fell apart towards the end. We we're in the eight, nine game. Um, this year might not be much better. This is clearly a rebuild. I don't really know who's going to elevate. And honestly, if they can get to the fifth, that'd be a good season. And they ended up second. <laughs> oh my goodness. Again, we talked about Highland and Highland elevated this play very well. I think an underrated star of the team not underrated amongst VCU fans, but amongst the conference as a whole, was Ace Baldwin, freshman point guard. I have, in five years, which five years isn't very long, but in five years of covering the team, he is probably the best pure passer I've ever seen. Him and Sean Mobley, believe it or not, Sean Mobley. But Ace Baldwin was incredible 
and he was his ability to facilitate. And then towards the end, when all the injuries started racking up, Keyshawn Curry played well, but he missed some games towards the end because of a death in the family. He took bereavement leave. Bones Highland got injured. And they were running really shallow guard lineups. And Baldwin was playing 40 minutes a game, like two or three games in a row, and very few turnovers, held up very well, and did very well down the stretch. And I was very excited to see how he's going to play this year, but unfortunately he's got some injury concerns. So that's not very good for this coming season, but that was my highlight of last year. And just Hassan Ward being amazing. I think Jameer Watkins coming off the bench, Levi Stocker, the transfer from Kansas state put in some good minutes and brought a good veteran presence to a team that was a little younger, but yeah, I, there's no way I could be upset about how last year went last year went incredible. On a scale from one to 10, where five is they met expectations for you. 10 is like more than next season. One is they didn't meet expectations. Is it a 10 season for you? Nine? A nine. It's a nine season because I think you, uh, the 10 has to be reserved for conference titles. In my opinion, conference titles. I know VCU made March Madness. Unfortunately that got unraveled because of COVID and they were facing a very tough draw of that Oregon team. Anyways, if I'm being candid, they probably would have lost that game based on how well Oregon played, but that's besides the point. It's a solid nine. The only way it would have got better is if, St. Bonaventure didn't have one of the best overall rosters I've ever seen in A-10 play, and they returned so many people, and they did such a good job at St. Bonaventure. That's really the only blemish. And then, of course, the injury concerns down the stretch. So a solid nine, I would say. That was about to be my next question. I was going to ask, of course, the season ended in heartbreak with the, uh, the COVID forfeit, basically, but you don't think they would have beaten Oregon if they had actually played them? Well, you got to see how, how well Oregon played in the tournament. I don't remember how far they made it, but they made it. They won a few games. I don't remember how exactly far because the Pac-12 did great. Them, USC, UCLA, like in the final four. But Oregon was constructed very well. When I wrote a, I wrote a little preview for the game that afternoon before the game got canceled, and I was going back through it. And they matched up very well. Oregon did. Dana Altman, very good head coach. Chris Duarte, who just got drafted in the lottery, one of the oldest lottery picks I can remember in a while. They were a very good team, and I would have liked to have seen them have the chance, though. I definitely don't think they would have beat Oregon, but at least they had the chance. You never know, especially if a guy like Highland, you never know how it could have turned out. But just disappointing they didn't even get the chance to really finish what was a great season to completion. Well, and you'd like to give Mike Rhodes a chance, too. I mean, four years, and they still uh, don't have a – he still doesn't have a tournament win, which probably isn't his fault. I mean, I guess that's a, you can tell us whether or not you think it's his fault or not, but but the previous coaches of ECU obviously have – had great success in the tournament. Of course, Saka Smart and also um, Wade. So Right, and then to touch on that with Rhodes, he's kind of gotten a um, a tough draw. He's been there four years, four years. He missed the tournament twice. Well, once was because of COVID, but they weren't going to make that tournament anyways unless they made a run through Brooklyn. And Dayton might have won the national championship that year, so that probably wasn't going to happen. His first year, he was a victim of transfers. Will Wade left the program in a shaky spot. If it wasn't for Justin Tillman, the team would have probably been like a 10 seed, 10 or 11. They could have ended up in the pillow fight uh, if it wasn't for Justin Tillman. So he kind of got a bad break. And then the one other time he made the tournament, they played UCF. And Taco Falls, like the tallest person to ever play college basketball against a team that didn't have a true center. So Mike Rhodes is a very good coach. He just got his contract extended a couple of weeks ago, which if he stays at VCU till 2027, he'll become the longest tenured coach in the history of the program, which I think he deserves. I think Shaka would have got it if he'd stayed, but I mean, no knocking Shaka for leaving. But back to Rhodes, I think he'll have plenty of chances to make the tournament again, maybe even this year. And then certainly, hopefully, <laughs> get at least one or two wins. 
All right. So I think it's time now to move into next year. Let's just paint the picture for next year. Who do you see as the starting five? Who are the names that we should know, the transfers, et cetera? Well, like I touched on earlier, the biggest disappointment, I want to get the bad news out of the way first. Ace Baldwin has an Achilles injury. We found that out a couple of months ago. They were very hush-hush about the extent of the injury. I don't know if it's an actual rupture, what exactly the injury is. Either way, Achilles is one of the worst injuries in basketball. Don't expect to see him at the start of the season. I was doing the math today, and it looks like, I don't want to speculate, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's held out to at least conference play, which is a bummer because he was definitely going to take the starting point guard role. But that opens the opportunity for a lot of other, other guards on the team. Uh, Jameer Watkins, I think, could take a step up. He played the six-man role very well last season. Uh, Keyshawn Curry is still here. He's a good scorer, another year of experience. Uh, he can come back and be very good. And I even talked about the big men, Hassan Ward. I, I feel like I've really neglected on him because he might be the best player on the team. Actually, Vince Williams, too. I haven't talked about Vince Williams at all. Vince Williams, with Highland gone, his shots just went way up. And the way he was knocking down threes last year, he's not a ball handler. He's just a forward. He's going to be probably the three in the lineup. But Vince Williams will be the star of the team. Vince Williams can make a run at all A-10. Definitely look out for him. Uh, and Hassan Ward could make a run for defensive player in the conference. He'll be very good. Levi Stockard coming back, taking his COVID year. So there's a lot of good pieces returning. So that's really what to look forward to, despite Baldwin's injury, which, of course, is a bummer. But I think Watkins and Curry running guard should be pretty good. And then you get Ward, Williams, and Stockard maybe starting. And then you have that one transfer, uh, Marcus Sahonis, I think is how you pronounce it. He, of all the newcomers, the freshmen and transfers, is definitely the one to look for. John Rothstein had him starting in his preview, but his preview was kind of, I don't know what he was doing, uh, but his preview was kind of out there. Every single person we've had on so far, I mean, I guess it's only three right now, but every single person's kind of bashed Rothstein's preview just a, just a little bit. I enjoy his tweets. I like following him. He's, he's a good source, but I don't know what that preview was. I don't, I don't know what he was going on with that, but he had him as Sohonis as a starter. We can see how that might pan out. We'll see what can happen, but he'll definitely contribute a lot and be a great newcomer. Speaking of Rothstein, although I guess that ranking, we, we know it has its problems, but just as a, as a base, he put him at three in the power rankings for the A-10. Um, do you predict VCU to potentially exceed that and go one or two, meet that, below that? Do you have an idea of what you expect for VCU? Uh, well, since he has VCU at three, I'm assuming that some combination of Richmond and St. Bonaventure are one and two, which makes perfect sense. Three is fair. Now, Richmond's hard to gauge because Richmond is returning pretty much everyone except for Francis that they had last year. They're going to be one of the oldest teams probably in all of college basketball, if not the oldest. But <laughs> I have a hard time being confident in them because of how their season went last year. It was really a disappointment the way it worked out in the tournament. I'm not saying that just to bash Richmond because we're crosstown rivals. I'm serious. That was a, I felt very bad for them because they really loaded the guns for that season. But, I mean, there's no nothing – you can't teach experience. And then St. Bonaventure – I would put them as the favorites to win the conference. So VCU being three is fair. The only complaint I would have, I might move them to two over Richmond, but I could definitely see it going either way. Definitely going to get the double buy in the A-10 tournament. I would lock that in right now. The reason I kind of like VCU is just from a perspective of like their character and the personality that they built from last season. I mean, they lost Marco Santos Silva and some other pieces and were supposed to finish so low. And they already, you know, cemented themselves as a team that, you know, regardless of, of where you pick them, they're not going to be okay. They, they might be a little bad, like they were in the COVID year or 
um, the year before, but like, they're not going to be terrible. Like they're going to exceed expectations probably to an extent. The difference between last year though, and this year is that even though they lost people in both years, they're now retaining more stars in this year than last year. And especially if Baldwin's able to come back at some point in the season, they could really be a threat. And I'm really looking forward to seeing BCU play. And also, I mean, you, we'd mentioned it earlier, but uh, Marcus Tahonis basically, I think that's a huge name because the reason I think that uh, Rostin had him starting was because he actually was with six man for Washington. I mean, they didn't win a ton of games, but he, he's a pure scorer. He had three or four 20 point games in uh, Pac-12 play and Pac-12 ended up being pretty good last year, surprisingly, actually. Yeah, so I think that'll be really interesting to see how he fits in the roster, how it fits in the team. There is a little bit of criticism that I've seen from Washington fans that he, I mean, because he's a scorer, he has the ball in his hands all the time. He's not as good distributing. But I mean, if you get someone back like Ace Baldwin, who is more of a distributor and pure passer, then I think VCU is a very, very dangerous team as the year goes on, especially as all the pieces start to click together. Right. And then uh, just spitballing out, we're talking about the roster out loud. I talked earlier about how last year VCU had a problem with guard depth, mostly through the injuries, but even without Highland, I'm just sitting here thinking like, wow, when Baldwin comes back, it's going to be, even if Rhodes runs some kind of three guard lineup, you're going to have one of those four guys that we just mentioned coming off the bench with the Curry and Watkins, probably end up being Watkins, but Curry, Watkins, Baldwin, and a new transfer. Uh, but I was watching his highlights earlier. And yeah, he's definitely looking very good. And I could definitely see them instead of putting Stockard in, taking him out and running a different three guard lineup. There's a lot of different pieces you can kind of mix and match and just depending on how the season goes. So early on, what to look forward to is to see how Rhodes kind of starts it out and then seeing how they gel and then he can make some good adjustments early on and then kind of get them clicking going into conference play, which is a good hallmark of what Rhodes does. He always plays in the lineups early and then gets it locked in going into January. Right. And VCU already showed last season that they can be an extremely tough and good team even without Highland. I mean, did they win all their games when he was gone? No, but there were games where he was banged up or absent. I mean, I think, wasn't he not there for that big St. Louis win near the end of the season? Is that right? I don't think he was. It all kind of blend together, but I know he missed a lot of time, a lot of pivotal games that Davidson won as well that you brought up earlier. Uh, But I don't think he was in that one. And I think VCU was on a little, little, little winning streak when he was gone, which that did not see that coming, but that again speaks to the depth of the team. So do you want to go to um, a little bit off-roading now? Yeah, let's go off-road. Let's go mutton, boys. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to go a little bit further away from basketball questions. We've talked about basketball uh, but now this is where we get the very important questions that we can't live without. We're just going to start with this. Then we're going to go to Cole's favorite question. First off, what's your favorite or what's your biggest VCU hot take? It could be anything about the university. It could be about campus life. It could be about food. It could be about, I mean, last week we talked about pet bands and stuff. What's your biggest VCU hot take? Well, when you said food, the first thing I thought of to give a little backstory the way our meal plan works, there's a few locations around campus. First off, VCU in an urban environment, literally plopped right in the center of downtown Richmond. I can look out the window back here and see uh, some of the buildings from downtown Richmond, which is it's interesting. It's different than traditional campus life. Uh, it's different than a lot of the other schools. I've been to a lot of the other schools in the A-10, except for probably Ford and probably dropped in the middle of New York. But I digress. 
uh, the meal plan, you can swipe at some locations around campus that are essentially like the fancy versions of restaurants. Like we have IHOP Express, like you might see in an airport, for example. But right next to it is a Raising Cane's Chicken. I don't know if y'all have these in North Carolina. You probably do. Trash. Absolutely trash. Hate it. I ate it so much my freshman year. It was horrible. All they have is chicken fingers and you can get them on a sandwich or just on their own. The toast is good, but they don't have like chicken patties, chicken nuggets. They don't really expand. There's like four things on the menu. And oh my goodness, it, I feel so gross after eating there. Freshmen love it. We had an article in the student newspaper this year. I graduated, so I wasn't really subscribing to the paper anymore. But I read the article in the student newspaper, one of my favorite articles I've seen our student newspaper run of when they reopened the canes after the pandemic, freshmen were lining up like around the block to get in the chicken place. I was like, why are you doing this? There's like a, there's a Chick-fil-A in our student commons. Like, why just go there? I mean, oh my goodness. It just, that's my hot take. That's definitely will get me lit up on BCU Twitter, especially by current students. That's, that's the hot take. Yeah, I saw you, uh, I was looking through your tweets a little bit, and I saw you got lit up on the official VCU account because uh, you tried to advocate for Richmond being one of the best arenas and environment in basketball. Whoa, I mean, over the Seagull Center. That was, yeah, I mean, right backstory. I quote tweeted, Barstool Sports puts out these dumb maps that they make up. It's not based on any facts. And they had the best arena in each state, college arena, college basketball arena, and they had Richmond Spiders. And I've been there once. And the one time I went, the one time I went, there was on the concourse. It's one of the nicest arenas I've been to. And I've been to JPJ, John Paul Jones at UVA. And that's a nice arena too. But Richmond, oh, this facility itself is very nice. I'm walking around the concourse and this person in like Chef White's comes, comes out and goes, we're giving away free samples of Polish sausage. Like what in the world? Polish sausage samples. Like what? The Seagull Center has its own charm. It's a very intimate setting, I will say. I mean, the inside, for a stadium that new, I will say it's not what you expect on the inside, but it's got the best atmosphere of any arena I've been to. My ears have probably been permanently damaged from over 50 games in the Seagull Center. But in terms of the actual arena, uh, U of R has a better arena. And I did get lit up by the official VCU Twitter account, not even athletics, the official VCU. They memed me. They made a meme with my name in it. <laughs> it's like somebody opened up like Photoshop and made a meme, some intern at VCU or probably, probably not an intern, but somebody at VCU made a meme, a SpongeBob meme with my name in it and roasted me. I was at work too. So I didn't even see it. So I took my lunch break and I was getting lit up and I was getting cooked in the comments. That was, that's a fun Twitter day. It was very fun. It was, <laughs> love it. Still love VCU though. In a battle of the death, a bloody, bloody Coliseum battle between a hundred clones of Joe Lenardi and one of each of the 14 A-10 mascots. Who wins to the death? Go. There are three Rams in the conference. Does that mean we get three Rams or is there one Ram representing all three of us, Fordham, Rhode Island, and VCU? Are you saying a VCU Ram and a Rhode Island Ram and a Fordham Ram are all the same? That's hot. Mm. Actually, no, they're not. If you look at the mascots, it's like, I don't know. I like VCU's the best. Maybe I'm biased in terms of the Rams. They all have different artistic takes on what a Ram is. So that's a good point. So it'd probably be three separate Rams. Well, I don't really know what a Billiken is. So I don't know how well they would be able to fight. My first thought is that I promise I'm not pandering to the Davidson audience. A Wildcat is pretty ferocious. Like I, I wouldn't want to fight a Wildcat. Like that's pretty, I don't know. I wouldn't want to do that. But there's also a hundred Joe Lenardi. This is a really good question. I love this. Um, hmm. I've interacted with Joe in person once. He was here. 
I, we didn't talk. He wouldn't know who I am, but we were like in the same room. So we're like friends now, I guess. I don't know. But a hundred of him. Hmm, I don't know. That's a good question. I think the Lenardis would win because I think from seeing Joe that one time in person, Joe Lenardi, I'm not going to call him Joe. We're not on a first name basis. From seeing <laughs> Joe Lenardi in person, I feel like he could hold his own against some of the mascots, just one of him. But 100, that's a lot to overpower. 100 versus 14. The Wildcat would put up the best fight, I think, just off the top of my head, though. So you're saying the Wildcat might lead, lead in the kills, but the Lenardis pull it out? Is that your final answer? Yeah, I think the, uh, the Lenardis do pull it out in the end. The Wildcats lead in the kills. Billiken's got to come up right behind because I still don't really know what that is, and it's got to be scary. So, Cole, now the official tally, the official tally that we have now is one win through the entire podcast here. We have one win for the Lenardis, one win for the mascots. So It's going to be really... Interesting to see. What It'll be neck and neck is. the entire there way. Is, there is a correct answer. And I there is one. Uh, there is a correct answer, at least for me. And I, I know the correct answer, but um, we'll keep seeing what the tally comes to. So next question that we have. So we're doing this little thing where basically the theme of this podcast series is that we're doing a road trip around the A-10 for just for the preseason thing. So keep into that road trip theme. Name three songs that would be on your ideal road trip playlist just for in the car when you're listening to music and stuff? Very good question. Um, I just drove two hours yesterday, so I should know this, but I have a really old car, so I don't have a phone thing that can work with Bluetooth, so I just listen to the radio, so I just, it's basically a roulette to see if they'll play good songs, so I don't have a road trip playlist per se. I did have a playlist I used to listen to when I was broadcasting that was more, I call it inspirational music, so it's stuff like Kanye West, things like that. Things that like get me Eminem. I don't really like Eminem that much, but he just really gets you in the zone. It was like I was competing. I was trying to get in the zone. But for a road trip, you kind of want more relaxing things so you don't break the traffic laws. I did listen to the podcast and Daniel said this and I thought this too. Purple Rain Prince is a good one. One of my favorite songs. That's got to be on there. Radar and Love. You know that song? Golden Earring. Old, old song. It's from Baby Driver. If anyone ever saw that movie, that's a good driving song. Might get you a speeding ticket too. But that's a good driving song. And anything Queen, that's my third answer. Anything Queen, I love Queen, one of my favorite bands. And that's always a hit, always a solid, and would definitely keep you awake if you're on a long road trip. That's awesome. All right, well, thanks again to Jason Bowman for coming on today. We had a great time recording with you. Um, So it's now that time to introduce the next week's episode. So we didn't really do a good job planning our road trip. Uh, we're traveling south from D.C. to Richmond, and now we're going up to the city, all the way up. So going to be a lot of zigzags in our road trip, but we're going to Fordham. And um, we are going to be introducing Fordham's one of Fordham's basketball correspondents, Sam Bassel. He covers them for H and Talk and also has his podcast, BBB Podcast. Um, yeah, no, I'm very excited to learn more about Fordham, travel up to NYC, we actually have some friends in New York City, so we could probably, you know, while we're traveling up there, say hi to them, stop out and get some uh, some coffee while we're up there. But yeah, no, I've never been to New York City. I mean, I guess you're a Mets fan, so. You've never been once? Not to New York City, no. Oh my gosh, New York City. Have you ever, have you ever been to no- Omaha, Nebraska? I haven't, no, but like. Well, see, you're missing out, dude. Uh, Jason, where can we find you on Twitter? What else do you write for where we can have our audience? find you well as an adult someone that is fully entering the adult world which is scary i have multiple places that you can 
find me as I kind of branch out into my journalistic career. First off, I have my day job over at Virginia Lawyers Weekly. It's a, exactly what it sounds like. It's a weekly newspaper. We do good and legal news. It is behind a paywall. If you want to subscribe, that'd be great. If you don't, I totally understand. We do have a free newsletter that I curate every weekday morning. Uh, so if you're into the latest breaking news in Virginia's legal scene, which is honestly very interesting, it's been very rewarding to cover, be sure to check that out. I'm just Google Virginia Lawyers Weekly. Uh, aside from that, for your more sports audience people, I'm sure it's supposed to be more interested in um, a10talk.com and putting out some good stuff. We'll ramp that up closer to the season, uh, kind of in the off season right now, not so much, but looking to cover some things this year, hopefully getting back into the Siegel Center. Uh, as another side project, football season coming up, I write also for fan-sided Rigo's Rag, the Washington football team blog. As we're getting closer to football season, I'll be putting out probably one or two stories a month there on what's going on with the Washington football team. Maybe some hot takes, hopefully covering more wins than losses, but we'll see how the new defense kind of melds and how everything melds under Coach Rivera's system. As for social media, you can find me on Twitter at Jason Bowman underscore. Bowman is Coleman with a B, B-O-L-E-M-A-N. Uh, put out some good, funny tweets. As you've heard, probably from being dunked on by VCU, you might get to see some good memes or might get to see some people roast me at my expense. And a good mix of professional tweets, funny tweets, and just general thoughts and opinions. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I think you live up to the what you say, that you are the very funny guy, fourth funniest person I know. I think you're definitely there. Um, thank you so much for coming on. And um, we're going to do this with all our guests. Can you end the podcast a little roar meow noise? <laughs> I knew this was coming. Thanks again for listening. Go Wildcats. Meow. <laughs> Oh, that was different. That could be different.